speaking this morning, and we're going to be picking things up from where we left off last week, and the last couple of weeks we've been looking at one of our most favorite topics, and that is God, and the Holy Spirit being uh, one person of the Trinity, what we call the Trinity, the Godhead, and last week Brent did an excellent job of looking at what it means to be born again, and Jesus said in John 3 that to enter the kingdom of God we must be born again, so what does that mean and how the Holy Spirit is involved in helping us to be born again. The Holy Spirit comes and awakens us to sin and awakens us to the reality of Jesus as our Savior, and the Holy Spirit imparts life. And so it's that great combination of the sovereignty of God, that God's at work, and He awakens us, and a yes in our heart to say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we saw how then the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and we want to pick things up this week, and we want to helpfully, hopefully answer some questions that many Christians have, and even if you don't consider yourself a Christian here this morning, this message is for you, because everything we've talked about in the worship time, about sometimes tough times, feeling lonely sometimes, feeling we're on our own, going through difficult things, purpose, meaning, all of that, is wrapped up into being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we want to take a look at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes this causes confusion with people, and sort of in Christian uh, circles, there's a couple of viewpoints on this, and one is, when you become a Christian, you receive all the Holy Spirit, and that's it, there's no other sort of experience, once you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, and that's it, so that's kind of one viewpoint, another viewpoint uh, is, you receive the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian, however, there's a baptism in the Spirit that comes afterwards and so there's a time frame between the difference and you're kind of like okay is that really it and then there's about 100 camps in between those two and so what we want to try to do this morning is take a look from the word of God about the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and at the end of the day we want you filled with the Holy Spirit and so I hope as we go through here this morning you're convinced from the word of God that the Holy Spirit we are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. All those incredible things. We want to have the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And so it's vital that we take a look at this. And from my background, I didn't learn much about the Holy Spirit. So I had lots of questions and I became a Christian and wondered for many years in and through, does God really love me? Am I really saved? Do I have any power to live out this Christian life? And For me, I was a lot like the disciples. And if you think of the disciples, they were with Jesus three years. And yet Jesus left and they fell apart. And they even denied Jesus. And they were ashamed of Jesus. They turned from Jesus. And yet a remarkable thing happened. And a remarkable thing happened in my life. That I went from being ashamed of Jesus to being a passionate follower of Jesus. I had an assurance that God really was real, and not only real, that God loves me. And he gave me an assurance that I'm saved, and he's given me gifts. So what's the difference between the disciples being with Jesus and afterwards? What's the difference with me? I believe the answer is the same. We were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to whet your appetite here this morning, and then we're not just doing a theological discussion. We have an application part as well. So we're going to get started, and uh, we're going to read a couple of different verses to get us there. And this is Jesus just before he's about to go to the cross, and I don't have time to give all the different background, but just listen to what he says to the crowd that's gathered. And Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little longer, 
and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me, and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. So they're thinking in a physical sense, Jesus is going to leave the territory. He's going to go off in some distant land. And on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then, Acts 1 And so this is Luke writing. He wrote the book of Luke. And we're going to pick things up as he records about Jesus and what happens after Jesus returned to heaven. And he's referring to his first book. That's the book of Luke. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, isn't that interesting, to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he, that's Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is alive. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Oh, the poor disciples. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They had a whole different kingdom in mind. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I just want to briefly start out by trying to give a background for the context of us talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, because we come with very North American eyes, most of us, and we kind of maybe forget sort of the background, but there's this whole thing in the Old Testament pointing towards a day when something new was going to happen, and it's referred to as the promise of the Father. And quickly, that's OT stands for Old Testament, not overtime, for all you sports fans, all right? Old Testament examples of the Spirit coming on people. And I just mentioned this briefly because this is a whole message in and of itself. But sometimes we don't think about the Holy Spirit being in the Old Testament. And if we look through in the Old Testament, we have all kinds of different examples. And I can give them to you about Gideon and Judges 7.34, that who was weak, who was hiding, he was fearful. And God calls him and it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and he became a great leader, because the Spirit of God came upon him. Samson in Judges 13, 14, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And Samson had great physical strength, and he became a leader in Israel. Saul, 1 Samuel 10, 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Woo! And Saul was. He was anointed for king over Israel. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was with the prophets prophesying, and he was a changed man. What changed? The Holy Spirit came upon him, and he became king. David, 1 Samuel 16, 13. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David in power when Samuel anointed David with oil to become king. And we see that the Holy Spirit was upon David to be a king. 
Amazi, I love this one, 1 Chronicles 12, 18. Then the spirit clothed Amazi, chief of the 30, and he said to David, we are yours, David, we are yours. And there's this whole thing of the Holy Spirit coming and bringing unity. Can you imagine that? Bringing unity to the people of God, even on tough guys like Amazi. So if you think the Holy Spirit is, and sometimes people do think more on sort of the effeminate end of things, he's not. Okay, he came upon Mazi, chief of the 30, and those were pretty tough guys. So the Holy Spirit's for everyone. Zechariah, 2 Chronicles 24, 20. Then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God. There's this whole thing of being a prophet as well. However, we see with all of these in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon specific people for a specific task, for a specific time. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible, you can read it in 1 Samuel 16, is the Holy Spirit came upon Saul to be king. Saul disobeyed over and over again. And it says the Spirit departed from Saul. Oh, horrible thing. The Holy Spirit left Saul. He had a job to do. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He sinned. He disobeyed God. And the Holy Spirit left. And you remember David, when he sinned, in Psalm 52, his prayer is, Oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because David knew the Holy Spirit is a game changer. The Holy Spirit makes what's possible, what's impossible, possible. And we see that for most of the time, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, it was either for this role as we go along, either upon a prophet to become a prophet, a priest to serve God, or a king to lead God's people. But the average Joe, like you and I, missed out on the Holy Spirit. And so the people I've mentioned, most of them are more famous because the Holy Spirit came upon them to make them famous in the Bible because God used them. But the average person missed out on the Holy Spirit, filling them, using them for God's purposes and plans. But there's good news. There's promises coming that one day, the Holy Spirit's going to be for everyone. Gets even better, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles. And that's a radical thing for the Jewish people. And I'm just going to read out a couple. I kind of give you some different verses there. And I've put one up on the screen from Ezekiel 36. And this prophesies, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put w- within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit capital s within you and cause you this is so awesome and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules so before we had the rules we had the 10 commandments and if you're jewish 613 other laws that you were to follow but you had no empowerment no enablement to live those out and many of us even today we kind of know right from wrong to some degree we kind of know the 10 commandments but without the holy spirit we're kind of like I kind of know, but you know what? It's really hard to live them out. And so we go to extremes. We either become legalistic and perfectionist that we try to keep every rule in our own strength. And usually if we do that, we think we're better than everyone else. And if we break it, then we're in crisis mode. Or we're like, you break one, you break them all. Eat, drink, and be merry. Might as well just party because I know I'm not perfect. And we kind of go legalism i got to obey all the rules. And look, oh, Keith and Tiffany, they're not obeying the rules. 
I'm better than them. I'm picking on them. I know them. I won't pick you out if you're a guest here this morning. (laughs) So it's legalistic. I'm comparing and I'm trying to make myself better in God's view than everyone else. And I'm in my own strength. So who gets the glory when I obey the rules? Me. Or we go to license. You know what? The Pope, Billy Graham. Oh, who else? Well, at least there's two. They can obey all the rules, but for the rest of us, we're in trouble. And Paul even says that if all this isn't true, then eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow I die. And we go to license. I'll just do whatever I want that try to please me. And we try to fill our lives with all kinds of different things, except for Holy Spirit, who is meant to fulfill us in a relationship with the Father. But the promise is coming. And Joel says this in Joel 2, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will, I love this, God speaking, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So it's good news. Jew, Gentile, male, female, king and servant on all flesh. This is good news, folks. We're going to be qualified to receive the Holy Spirit, not just prophet, priest, king. And there's a foreshadowing, Numbers 11, and I'll move right along, but it's a great one because Moses was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says Moses was getting overburdened, and you read it in Numbers 11, and God says to him, bring together 70 other leaders, and the same spirit that's on you, I'm going to put on the 70. So it sounds great. Moses is like, hallelujah, someone else is going to help me with the help of the Holy Spirit. And 68 show up, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they prophesy. It's amazing, Old Testament, amazing story. But two guys didn't show up. They're somewhere else in the camp, and guess what happened? Because they were part of the 70, they got filled with the Holy Spirit as well. And they're prophesying. And Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, says, hey, Moses, they weren't here. They're over there. Do you want me to go shut them up? That's basically what he's saying. Because they weren't here. And Moses is saying, Joshua, my man, this is awesome. I don't care that they weren't here. The Spirit's on them. And Moses says this, I wish the Holy Spirit was on everyone. Woo! Moses knew the difference. So we're building up to something. Let's keep going. So all this points to Jesus. And we see that the whole Old Testament is pointing towards there's a Messiah coming, an anointed one. And Messiah is the Hebrew, Christ is the Greek for anointed one, anointed with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And everything points to Jesus. When the Messiah comes, when the anointed one comes, you can read all of Isaiah. And there's all kinds of things there in chapter 11, 42, 49, 61, saying, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the Messiah, upon the Christ everything's going to change because he's going to enter in a whole new way of living with God. And Jesus was anointed. We read this in Acts 10, 38. This is Peter describing Jesus. He says, we know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Isn't that a great mission statement that we want to be like Jesus? That that's our heart right there. We want to be anointed 
to go about doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil, because there is a real devil who oppresses people, for God is with us. And Jesus, even though he was fully divine and fully human, as we read in Philippians 2, he laid aside his divinity. He didn't, he was still God, but he laid aside the uh, authority he had to use that divinity to, in his humanness, be filled with the Holy Spirit and work in power in the Holy Spirit. And there's only a few times where he used his divinity and to forgive some people, different things. But the rest of the time, he was under the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things. Because we think, well, Jesus, he was Jesus, so Jesus, he could do anything. And we can kind of discount, but, you know, I'm just Joe, I'm not Jesus, so I can't do anything. The same Holy Spirit, as we're going to see on Jesus, he's in me. So we have to lift our eyes to see that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and even though he was divine, Jesus himself relied on the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other topic, and I think we're going to touch on some of those things over the next few weeks. I'm going to keep going. Whew. John the Baptist came, and he came to prepare the way for the Lord. And he said two things that were really important, and I think one, obviously, we need to emphasize, and that's why we spent all of last week on it. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, and God pointed out Jesus to him, he said this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we spent all of last week, and that's why Brent talked us through, that Jesus is our Savior. What does he save us from? He saves us from sin. He saves us from that which we have broken God's law. We've broken God's command. We've worshipped other things. We are in Adam. We're not in Christ. So even in our heritage that Adam sinned, and because Adam sinned, we're born into sin. We sin enough on our own. We're born, and it's nature, nurture. It's both. We're, we're in big trouble. And Brent went through. It's not our it's not like a prohibition. Oh, you must be born again. Oh, God hates everyone. He keeps everybody out, and you've got to come to Jesus. No, we're, we're dead in our sins, the Bible says. We're unable to qualify ourselves. We need a Savior to rescue us and to save us, and Jesus was the one. He came and lived the perfect life. He obeyed everything. He went to the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. That's why we are singing such an amazing grace this is. We don't deserve it, but Jesus died for us, that Jesus paid the price, that Jesus dealt with Satan. He defeated Satan. Jesus defeated death. We don't have to fear death anymore. When we die, we can know that if we're in Christ, we're going to heaven. We have a glorious future. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist was saying. And before we can talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why that always comes first. Because sometimes people want an experience and they want a shortcut around, we lay down our lives. We surrender and say, God, I'm no longer king of my life. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I submit to you. Come and have your way. I accept that I'm a sinner, that I can't get right with you, and I receive this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That always comes first. But John the Baptist always said this, and in my upbringing, I never heard this. So I don't want us to be ignorant. I always heard the first part. Hallelujah, I did. So we don't want to skip the first part. I heard about Jesus being my Savior. I never heard about this. That John the Baptist also said, he's the one that's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. 
So that's the Luke 3.16. So John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, and he will also baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I never heard that part. That's from my background. What John the Baptist is saying, yes, you are going to be freed from the power of sin as you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes, you're going to be given eternal life. Yes, you're going to be given his righteousness and he's going to take away all your sin. But it gets even better. God's Spirit is going to come and dwell and live within you. And that's going to change your heart and it's going to change your nature and he's going to help you live out obeying God. And it gets even better. It's not just obeying the Ten Commandments. He speaks to us. Because the Ten Commandments don't tell you, Ben and Jill up here, why don't you give them $100 because maybe they're struggling this week and just bless them. Don't even tell them, just give it to them. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I don't see that explicitly in the Bible. It's generous give, but the Holy Spirit gives us very directional things. We're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus said this, and this is one of the most radical statements in the Bible. Jesus says to his disciples, because, okay, just stop here for a second. Just picture it. And I think this myself, and I run into people all the time who say this. If I lived 2,000 years ago, and I was with Jesus, and I physically saw him, and I saw hands shriveled become whole, and I saw demons cast out, and I saw Lazarus raised from the dead, I would believe Jesus. But that was 2,000 years ago, and it's kind of like a storybook and kind of a fairy tale. Folks, the disciples were with Jesus three years. Water turned into wine. The sick healed. The demon-possessed made whole. It was pretty exciting to be with Jesus, don't you think? If you just read the Gospels. So we can kind of glaze over. I want you to really think about it. If, Je- if you were physically with Jesus, what it would be like. So just kind of get that. Even if you don't know much about Jesus, I'm sure you've heard some stories about Jesus. Just picture yourself with Jesus. That everywhere you went, something happened. The kingdom of God was coming. He showed the love of the Father. He brought truth and teaching with authority. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. All those things. And just as you're getting yourself a little bit excited to say, man, I, can you imagine being with Jesus? Just when you're starting to get there, think of this now. Jesus says to you, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. And I'm not only am I leaving, it's better for you that I am leaving. I'd be like, time out, time out, time out, time out. Objection. I know I'd be overruled, but I would get an objection. Jesus, how can it be better? We've got it pretty good right now. Heaven is on earth in you, and we're with you. What do you mean you're leaving? What do you mean? Did he say he was leaving? That's what Jesus said. And he said, it's better for you that I go. Why? So Jesus hardly talked about the Holy Spirit his whole time on earth, except for when he was leaving. And we can read John 13, the Last Supper, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you want to read about the Holy Spirit, read about 
John 14, 15, and 16, and he explains to the disciples before he's going, there's another one just like me coming. Did you hear me? There's another comforter and counselor who's just like me, who's going to come alongside. Actually, he's going to live and make his home in you. And it's better that I'm going because when I'm physically here on earth, I can only be in one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit comes on all flesh and fills you wherever you go, Jesus is with you. So that is why Jesus said, it's better that I go in order so that he can come. And so as we see later in the book of Acts, Peter and John can be here, go into the gate, and they can pray for someone in Jesus' name, and God's power is with them. Philip can go to Samaria, and guess what? The Holy Spirit's with him. And as Christians go and they're persecuted, guess what? The Holy Spirit's with them because Jesus has returned to heaven, and he's given one just like him to us. That's the promise of the Father. That's what was prophesied all the way through the Old Testament, and that's what Jesus brings in. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's our Lord and Savior, and... He ushers in a whole new age of the Holy Spirit for us as followers to be able to follow him and to do the things that Jesus does. We're going to keep going. The power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So one thing Jesus is getting clear is that the disciples' success was dependent upon Jesus' return to the Father and them waiting until Jesus sent them the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, wait! So he says, go! But he says, before you go, wait! till you have the Holy Spirit and then go. And folks, the Holy Spirit is given to us not just to sing a few happy songs, not just to brighten things up and be a bit more emotional. That's not the Holy Spirit's given the Holy Spirit is given because we have a mission that God has for us. And this is our mission. We are now to usher in the kingdom of God. So he taught us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, okay, holy is your name. Okay, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Guess how that kingdom comes? It comes through his followers. So that's our mission. I don't know if you know that or not, but we're to bring in everywhere we go the kingdom of God as the followers of Christ. And that's why we're going to spend next week looking at what it means to be adopted. That's a whole thing right there. And Gary's going to help us in that, that we're born now as children of God, and therefore we have a new nature, therefore we have Christ in us. We've become a new creation, as John so helpfully said during the worship when we started. We're anointed. The Holy Spirit enables us to live a life like Jesus. That we have been given gifts. We have been given authority. We have been given all these things to be like Jesus. We're to live like him, love like him, talk like him. Not just trying to do it in our own strength, but because he is in us. We're Christ's ambassadors. We represent Christ. We represent heaven on earth. So that's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because we're saying, God, let your kingdom come. Salvation, healing, deliverance, release, heaven on earth 
through us. That's why Christianity should be the most exciting relationship on planet Earth. Because God wants to bring his kingdom in through us. Now, I don't know about you, but I go, help! (laughs) I do. I'm like, God, you really want to do that through, like, us? I'll speak for myself through me. I know some of you. Through us. Are you sure that you really want to do this? Yes. He takes us. And he gets the glory because we know it ain't us. But we need help. We need help. I can't say it enough. If the disciples who had physically been with Jesus for three years and saw and experienced everything they did and Jesus left and they fell apart. Seriously, folks, that's what happened. If they needed the Holy Spirit, do you think we need the Holy Spirit any less today? Jesus says you'll receive power. It's an enabling that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's that dynamite power. And folks, it's not just for signs and wonders. It's for loving one another. It's for service and commitment. And Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses. Do you know what that word really means? You will be my martyrs. So the Holy Spirit isn't just the happy, clappy, it's all for fun. You need, I need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because we're going to suffer. So if you're going to be a witness for Jesus whether you made fun of or whether you physically die and give up your life, we need the Holy Spirit to help us because we're going to suffer for Christ as well. We need that dynamic enabling. So how do I get this power? Here comes the big questions. And here's some things that in Christian circles people think and sometimes try to do. So one theory is that there's a gradual filling. So some people believe when you become a Christian and you're born again, you receive all the Holy Spirit. But as you mature and as you yield more to the Holy Spirit, then more of the Holy Spirit gets released from within. And so it's a process. Some people feel it's a holiness thing. The more you get holy, all the Holy Spirit conversion when you're born again. But at some point, when we surrender more to God over time, as we empty ourselves, and sometimes even the songs we sing in that, this is the theology it's coming from, then God is able to fill you more. So you've got to get everything out before God can fill you. So the more holy you become, the more you get the Holy Spirit. Some people feel it's a release. You get all the Holy Spirit at conversion when you're born again. But at some point, we have an experience where more of the Holy Spirit is unlocked, and there's a release from within. And sometimes you can hear this when people are praying. They're like, God, would you release what's within. And certainly that's sort of our new age world that we live in. And a lot of our programs, the power is within you. You just got to unlock it. And then there's many who believe this. We have to wait. So like the early disciples, they gathered in the upper room. You have to wait. You have to call out on God. You got to wait. You got to seek God. And we don't quite sure how long, but at some point, if you wait long enough and you pray hard enough and you seek God enough, then maybe, just maybe, he'll give you his Holy Spirit. And so I want to tackle these things briefly, what we see from the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit in Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And let me just read to you, first of all, there's lots of examples, so you've got to stick with me. We see this in Acts 2. So Jesus returns to heaven, and this is the first time the Holy Spirit is really poured out. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, so that's just like 50 days after the Passover, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then we see all heaven break loose because they're all speaking different languages, praising God, and other people are there, and they're like, what in the heck is going on? They're all drunk, so something really was going on. And Peter's like, no, it's only nine in the morning. And he preaches Jesus, Lamb of God, and he says, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit because he's now returned to heaven. He's been exalted. And we see an incredible thing of the Holy Spirit being poured out and these first followers of Jesus were baptized. They were immersed, submerged, plunged. There was like physical tongues of fire, kind of like what we see in the Old Testament with the fire going. We've got a blowing wind. All of them were filled. We've got speaking tongues, which redeems the whole Tower of Babel from the Old Testament when God separated them because they're trying to build their own thing to God. And God redeems our languages by giving us tongues that can all going to praise him. Incredible. Acts 2. Woo! Now, here's the thing. Most people say, well, that was for Acts 2. That was a one-time deal. Okay, let's just keep going. That's kind of like pouring water on the fire, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, man, if I only, not only was Jesus, if only I could have lived in Acts chapter 2. All right, Acts chapter 8. We have Philip. Persecution breaks out. Philip goes to Samaria. So he's kind of on a bit more foreign soil. And Oof, I just, sorry, folks, you have to read these. I just don't have time to go through them, but take my word and then read it to verify. Philip goes, he preaches Jesus, he preaches the kingdom of God. There are signs and wonders that confirm the gospel, and it says that the people there believed, and Philip baptized them in water. Now, personally, I I believe they were believers. I don't think Philip, personally, would have baptized them in water. I think he knew enough of Jesus and the gospel to, because some people think what I'm about to say, when the Holy Spirit came in Peter and John, that's when they were really saved. I think they were believers. I don't think he would have um, baptized them in water. Peter and John come because what? They want to make sure that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John come from Jerusalem. We're not quite sure the time difference, but even if it's a short time, Peter and John lay their hands on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon the sorcerer there, something happened because he's like, I want what these guys have. So there must have been something outward that made them say, okay, something's changed here. There's a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, we have Saul persecuting the Christians. He hates the Christians. Stephen's just been martyred and Saul was there. Saul's on his way to Damascus, what to persecute Christians? And he has a power encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's blinded. And he's led. And for three days, he didn't eat anything, no food or water. And Ananias is sent. And poor Ananias having this dialogue with God. It's a fascinating thing if you read it in Acts 9. Ananias is like, I'm God. I don't know if you've heard or not, but this guy you're asking me to go to, he hates Christians. It's kind of a funny thing. But Ananias, bless him, eh? God's like, no, I picked Saul. He's going to see what he needs to go through for me. And Ananias goes. And it says this. Ananias lays his hands on him. And it's like scales. And it says, he's filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues. It doesn't say he prophesied. Later on, we know that Paul spoke in tongues a lot. Saul becomes Paul. But just note, it doesn't say anything about tongues or prophecy. Scales. And then he's baptized in water. Acts 10. Peter goes to the Gentiles. Radical thing. God has to show him a vision. Cornelius is the Gentile. He gets a vision, and they meet up. And Peter begins to explain the gospel. He begins to explain that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he's preaching, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes. And they are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and prophesying all, I don't know, probably within like five minutes. (sighs) And then they're baptized in water to identify being united with Christ. Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus, and this is fascinating. He says he comes to some believers, and he's, Paul's there, and he's kind of like, hmm, something's not right. I wonder if Paul was with us, if he would say, hmm, something's not right. <laughs> and he didn't ask him a theological question at the beginning. He didn't. He didn't say, now, is Jesus Lord, and how do you know divinity, humanity, all those things are important. The first question Paul says is this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Folks, I don't know if any of us in Christianity, if we were with a group of people, would ask that question. But Paul did. Something is not right. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now there's debate whether they were really Christians or not. I'm kind of more on, I don't think, they were. It says we believed in John and his baptism. Paul explains Jesus to them as Savior, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He baptizes them in water. This is fascinating. So even if they just became Christians, he baptizes them in water. And then what he does, he lays his hands on them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and prophesy. Now I'm trying to build something here. That in all those examples, which go just beyond Acts 2, we've got some common denominators here. One of the most, here's the common denominator. First of all, Jesus is preached as Lord and Savior. They hear the good news of the gospel. So we can't go for an experience without preaching Jesus is Lord and Savior. We must be born again. That always comes first. So there's always hearing of the good news. Brent said last week, faith comes from hearing through the word of God. That's why we preach the word of God. And people are born again. And sometimes they're baptized first in water. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're born again. They're filled with the Holy Spirit all at the same time. Then they get baptized in water. And sometimes they're born again. They might be baptized in water. And there's a period of time before they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, what we're trying to get to is at the end of the day, are you born again and are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to just fill in a few gaps for us on that. It's always this. They hear good news, they believe in Jesus first, and then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And water baptism can come in there before spirit baptism or after they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's one of the key things. Oh, let me just back up for one second. 
Remember I said about those four different ways that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit? People think gradual. In those examples, there wasn't much gradual. (laughs) Okay? In Acts 9, 8, 10, when they laid their hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Did it have to do with holiness? Paul, Saul, was persecuting Do you think in three days of fasting he made up for all the sins he had committed? I don't think so. The Gentiles, how far away were they from God? Cornelius, they believed and filled the Holy Spirit. They didn't have time to earn their holiness to make God like them enough to give them his spirit. Was there a release? The Holy Spirit came upon them. There was no, it's all in you and it gets, they were clothed with power from on high. If we read Acts 19 when it says the Holy Spirit came upon them and clothed them, It's a gift. Is there a waiting? The only waiting that took place was Acts chapter 2. And what were they waiting for? Were they waiting to get more holy and please God? No, they were waiting for Jesus to be ascended. So that's why I put this. The key is the position of Jesus. He is now exalted. This is not based on my performance. That's really vital. We had to wait for Jesus to return to be the ascended Christ because then he was going to pour out his spirit. That was the only time waiting... Now, I think it's good to fast and pray. I think it's good to wait on God and seek God, but you've got to know your motives and why you're doing that. We don't do that to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's not based on our performance. Salvation is a gift. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not based on my performance. Now, here's where we're, we're zeroing in, and we're going to head towards closing and moving together and responding today. What I want to do is I just want to kind of bring some clarity because I think some of our confusion comes in not only experience but the terms that we use. And so what I want to try to do briefly, and for some of you might not quite understand this, but hopefully for some of you this will be helpful, is that theologians really debate all the references to baptism in the Spirit is that pointing just to Pentecost. So when John the Baptist said, look, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, were all those references pointing just to Pentecost at Acts chapter 2. And therefore, that was the inauguration of the age of the Spirit. Or does Jesus still baptize us in the Holy Spirit today? And sometimes the term gets confusing. And so what I'm saying for us, and just trying to be clear, is that, and I'm going to throw a verse at you that always gets thrown in that kind of can mix people up, is, as Brent said last week, when we're born again, we are born of the Spirit. We're saying that is our baptism in the Spirit, because I'll read you a couple of verses, just to avoid any confusion. Because what happens if we say, you're a Christian, but you're not baptized in the Spirit, But you're like, well, how can I be a Christian if I have the Holy Spirit, but yet I'm not baptized in the Spirit? We're saying, that's like your birthday. Like, baptism is a, when you're born again, that is your, you are now given the Spirit of God. And let me read out this verse to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul writes, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. And Paul goes on in Galatians and Um, Romans 8, he says, you know, you can't be in Christ if you aren't born of the Spirit. 
And he says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about spiritual gifts and that. He says you can't say Jesus is Lord unless you are led by the Spirit. So we're saying when you're born again, that's your baptism in the Spirit. Now here's the difference. Are you filled with the Spirit? That is the question. So if you're born again, you're baptized in the Spirit. You've been given the Spirit of God. He's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You can't be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit lives within you. But Paul also says, the same Paul who said, you can't be a Christian unless the Spirit's in you, also said this in Ephesians 5, 18. He's saying to the Ephesian church, that same church that was started in Acts 19 about, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That same church, he says, I want you to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So just hear me out. We're saying, and from the model we see in the book of Acts, you can be in Acts 8, you hear the gospel like Philip did in Samaria. You hear about the kingdom of God. You hear that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You can be baptized in the Spirit because you believe in Christ. You can be baptized in water, but you might not yet be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John came, and they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You might be like Saul. You might have had a power encounter with Jesus. You were like, and we got a few stories like that in the the room. Man, I was far off from God. Boom! Jesus met me, knocked me right off my horse. That's what happened to Saul. And lo and behold, filled with the Holy Spirit. And there might be a few days difference. And it doesn't say he prophesied. It doesn't say he spoke in tongues. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm looking at Kelly Curtis right here. Okay, February 14th, 1997. Kelly walked into our Alpha uh, afternoon on our Holy Spirit Day. Not a believer, not a Christian. Dead in her sin, far from God. She hears the good news of the gospel. Jesus, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. She prays and becomes a Christian. She, at the same time, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophesying all in about two minutes. And you say, what happened there? Acts 10, like Cornelius. Now, my experience is much more like Samaria. I believe I was, God got a hold of my life and saved me when I was a teenager. A deposit given, I was baptized in the Spirit in the sense that the Spirit was given to me. Was I filled with the Holy Spirit? Not probably for another 10 years. So we don't go on our experience but I'm trying to give some experiences to say they line up with what we see in the book of Acts. And it lessens the confusion that some of your experiences can line up with what we see in the book of Acts. So Kelly, did she have a biblical experience? Absolutely. Did she have to wait for a second blessing? No. She was baptized in the Spirit, became a Christian, and filled with the Holy Spirit all at the same time like we see with Cornelius in Acts 10. Are some of us Born again, baptized in the Spirit, become a Christian? Absolutely. Are some of us filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe not. So I'm asking the question, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And we don't believe here that you need to speak in tongues as evidence of the Holy Spirit. We think 
the gift of tongues is available for all, but that's not the immediate sign. And we're going to talk more about this next week. One sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is you have assurance that you know that you know that you know that God is real and he loves you and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It's assurance. One way you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been empowered to be a witness. There's a difference. I'm no longer ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, we've got to make choices and all that. I feel empowered. I feel enabled. We're empowered to live a Christian life. We're empowered to obey God. Those are all signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes tongues is there, and we encourage people to speak in tongues. It's a wonderful gift. It edifies ourselves, but we don't think that's... If you don't speak in tongues, we're not going to say you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people prophesy. We don't know if Paul did or not right away, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see? We've got to be careful on judging sometimes, but yet we've got to ask ourselves personally, do I feel like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Have I received power from on high? That's what we're asking. And before we close, pastorally, this is a big risk because I always get this. Joe, if you say this and then we pray for people and nothing happens, aren't you setting people up for disappointment? And so isn't it easier just to say we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation and let's just leave it at that? Well, we could do that. But I'm convinced from the word of God that when Jesus died on the cross and he conquered Satan and he gave up his life to save us and to take on our sin and give us his righteousness, he also did so to usher in a new age of the spirit, a new covenant that the spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. And if we don't preach this and live it out, then I think grieves the Holy Spirit and it grieves everything that Jesus did. Why would God want us to miss out as a good father on a gift he's given to help us? And what makes us any different from living under the law in the Old Testament if we don't have the Holy Spirit to empower us to live? And every person who has been filled with the Holy Spirit has always said this, I'm so thankful you taught on this. And many people say, I wish I had known about this years ago because I never heard. I always heard that once I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit and that's it. And you're kind of like, okay. I didn't know about going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to take the risk today on the word of God. And we're going to believe that when we pray for people, something is happening. And whether they speak in tongues or prophesy, that's not what we're looking for, although we'll help you in that. Because sometimes that happens. I remember Phil Newman. I don't, some of you are there. Remember Phil? We baptized him. Hilarious. I've never had this happen before. We baptized him in water, and he came out speaking in tongues. Now go figure that one. So the Spirit moves where the Spirit wants to move, and we can't control him, but we can trust him. And in closing, we say this. Jesus said, is anyone thirsty? Folks, if you're thirsty... This is what we do. It's not complicated. We come to Jesus and we ask and we drink and we receive. And so you might not consider yourself a Christian here this morning. Before we talk about an experience, you have to understand we come to Jesus for salvation. That We're dead in our sins. We need Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
So we lift up Jesus here this morning as Lord and Savior, that he is our gateway to the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. But we also come to him because he's the one who baptizes us and he fills us with the Holy Spirit. And some of us might come with doubt and fear and unbelief. And I thought what John Robertson shared during worship, I thought was very appropriate, God speaking through him to say, your past history might go, ooh, I don't want to go near this. Your past experience, oh, I, went, I got prayed for before, nothing happened, so I'm never going to do that again. God was preparing us through worship. We believe God speaks to us. That's not what we come with. We're going to tackle some of these things. Do we have doubt? Do we have fear? Peter said this in Acts chapter 2. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone whom God calls. So God's calling you here today. If you're not a believer here this morning, God is calling you here today to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian here today, you're not sure if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he saves you and he fills you. Oh, I don't know the Holy Spirit. I'm a little bit scared. He's kind of scary. I'm not quite sure. Jesus, Luke chapter 11, Jesus said to his disciples, we have a good father. And if you ask and you seek and you knock, you fathers here on earth, you're evil. And yet you'd never give your kid a stone if they asked for a piece of bread. You'd never give them a scorpion or a snake. You who are evil give good gifts. How much so my father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He's a good father, and we trust a good father. And he, just like Jesus, the other counselor, comforter. And if you feel like, you know what? I'm just not good enough. I'm just qualified. You don't know what I've done. You're right. You're not. So we'll get over that one right away. <laughs> Jesus has qualified you. It's his position, not our performance. And in closing... Paul says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing being filled. In Acts chapter 4, after they were filled at Pentecost, they're praying together. The room where they were meeting shook. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The same ones who had been filled in in Acts 2 at Pentecost, the same people filled again. We go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our gateway to a fuller relationship with God. We're going to talk more about spiritual gifts in a couple of weeks' time. But he gives us the gift of tongues because it edifies ourselves. He gives us a prayer language that when we don't know how to pray, we can pray to God. He gives us the gift of prophecy so that we can be a prophetic people, that we can speak out God's heart and God's will. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us power and boldness. He gives us assurance. He gives us peace and joy. We can sing, let there be joy. Let there be peace in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what it is. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He helps us to pray. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, all these things. So, great talk, Joe. Now what do we do? Well, I don't have a great talk, but anyways. We respond. If you're thirsty here this morning, we come to Jesus. I'm not trying to whip anything up. I'm saying, we as in the church most of the time, we don't say this enough. We come to Jesus. So Andy's going to come. He's picked out a great song that just talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is going to ask direction. 
Okay, if you would like prayer for anything, and I'm asking the call, if you want to come to Jesus this morning, there's salvation here. There's new life in Christ. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That comes first. You can be born again here this morning. We'd love to be able to pray and walk you through more of what it is to be repentant, turn from our sins, turn to Jesus by faith. We want to talk to you about water baptism, being identified. We also want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you're thirsty. And maybe you don't know if you've ever been filled or not. What a great morning to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I trust that you for salvation. I'm going to trust that you fill me with your spirit. Maybe you've been filled with the spirit many times, but you're thirsty here this morning. You can go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a personal part to it. As Barb said, we take ownership. We step out in faith and we ask and we receive. We receive that gift here this morning and we're going to trust God will do his work. It's not a selfish thing. It glorifies Jesus. He went to the cross to save us and to fill us with his presence. In closing, we just sang about the glory of God. We stand and lift up our hands, rising up, and it says that the glory of the Lord will be everywhere. You know how it is? It's not a mist. It's not a cloud. It's the people of God populating planet Earth, being born again and filled with the almighty presence of God. That's how the Earth is going to be filled with the glory and the knowledge of God. So Andy's going to lead in this. Okay, why don't you stand if you're able. Our time's going, so this is what I'm going to ask. Okay, we're not going to wait even till the end of the song. Just saying, if you would like prayer, why don't you come over here to my left? A couple of reasons, just practical things. Okay, we don't, there's not a whole lot of room up here. We want to give you some privacy. It's not, we're not showing off anything like this. This is meeting with Almighty God. We're away from the speakers a bit so we can actually hear you when we're praying for you. And I'm going to ask our life group leaders, going to ask elders and wives, why don't you make your way over here already so we can have people ready to pray with you. We want to make it as accessible. And if you have some questions, you can talk. We can keep talking. You're going to be talking to your life groups this week. But if you're thirsty, come and drink. Jesus is here. His spirit is here. So Andy, why don't you lead us in this song, please?
as we were um, during the message. I just really feel that. I kind of